Hi, you're listening to episode 37 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Monday, November 25th, 2019. And we are amazing because this is two episodes in two weeks. What? I'm Who just saying we? we're amazing. We are amazing. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, we wanted to, this is basically just a Mandalorian update episode because I think we're both enjoying the show so much that we wanted to come in and kind of do another kind of recap discussion of the first I guess we kind of talked about the first episode but now we have more context we'll probably talk about kind of the first three Mm -hmm. and dive in and I think it's safe to say this entire uh episode is just a giant spoiler warning because we're gonna dive straight in yeah Um, if you haven't seen the show I would just just maybe watch and then come back yes um okay so I guess let's just get started well, okay, so everyone knows that we loved it. But so the second episode, now we're we're about, you know, three days after the release of the third episode. And uh, so we should, I guess, start with episode two, which was just after the bomb drop that it is Yiddle Yaddle, it is Baby Yoda that is the package or the asset. So that- let's talk about Lib- Baby Yoda real quick. Um, we There have been a lot of really well-meaning, well, actually, people saying, well, uh, did you know it's actually Baby Yoda? No. Yes, we know. We all know it's not Baby Yoda, like, but we don't know the name of Yoda's species, so we're using that as shorthand. But Preeti has coined the name Yiddle Yaddle, because Yoda toddles. Because Yoda toddles, Yiddle Yaddle's got a toddle. Um, And now people actually think that's the name, apparently. Did someone tweet you today and be like, is that the real name? Someone was like, I used that like it was the real name, and my friends were like, that's not what that character is called. But so we will refer to him as either Baby Yoda or her. We don't know they. the gender. We, we, we're, if you, we'll, we will refer to them as the Yiddle Yaddle mm-hmm. um, or Baby Yoda. But we please don't correct we, us and tell us it's not Baby Yoda. We know. know. And apparently the show is calling it The Child. Mm-hmm. Or The Asset. Or The Asset. But uh, in, in all the written stuff, they're referring to the character as The Child. Mm-hmm. In the same way that The Mandalorian is... The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He does have a name, apparently, but I, none of us know. I mean... No, Mando. Yeah, Mando. I'm, I'm happy with Mando. Mando. Uh, so, you know, it, it, the second episode picks up right after right after that reveal, and, and Mando's got to get Yiddle Yaddle back safely, mm-hmm. and he gets back to his ship only to see that it has been stripped, and everything has been taken, and it's broken by the Jawas. That was a little bit hard. That was, like, that was just, like, soul-crushing. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Like, come on. Just one thing after the other. Our guy can't yeah, catch a it break. Really was. It really was. So hard. So hard. <laughs> so then he goes back to Nick Nolte's uh, Ugnaught. Uh-huh. And uh, asks... Well, n- well, first he tries to go after the Jawas. With... An amazing, an amazing sequence of the worst consecutive decisions I've seen in a while. Oh, that was so good. And then he starts, starts, like, shooting them. Like, what? There's, there's, he's just so mad. I know. He just starts shooting them. And, like, it was really funny because while I was watching that scene, like, I had, like, flashbacks for, like, Mass Effect and, like, (laughs) Republic where I was, like, I could see him, like, his renegade points, like him slowly like gaining renegade points. <laughs> Episode two to me felt a little bit like watching a video game. Yes. Like just a lot of the things, the pacing, the decision making that he, go, he goes through, like it felt like a video game. And that's not, that's not an insult or that's, that's, it's just the way it felt to me. It, it's not like a, um, that's not a criticism, but um, 
it was just it was just so fun to see this character who we kind I think we all had a lot of assumptions on what a badass he was and and this like kind of person he's supposed to represent which were in the first episode like waylaid a little bit by the sequence where he's trying mm-hmm. to ride the blurg uh and not getting it and that was very funny and then in this episode it just gets heightened he just gets oh. his ass kicked he just over gets his and over kicked. again and it's so funny it's so funny and i love that he's so imperfect like he this is yeah. an imperfect character who is headstrong and makes rash decisions obviously like when he decided in that split second to kill uh, the uh, the bounty droid and save Yiddle Yaddle. Like, this is a person, this is a character who we can count on to kind of make, as we'll see in the third episode, these, like, split-second decisions yeah. that matter and will affect a lot of stories. Yeah. I really, um, I loved watching him get his ass kicked over. Like, it was just, it's something, because... Star Wars is often focuses on like preternaturally like gifted people mm-hmm. who can just like 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 force their way out of like forces and like capital F force their right. way out of like unwinnable situations. And it was nice to just see someone who like had to rely on grit and like whatever few resources he has. Like it was it, it's a nice change. It's like I said in the last episode that this show shows us the mundanity of the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. and I feel really felt that in the second episode in a good way. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's we saw hints of it in Rebels in that mm-hmm. I feel like each step we take away from the Skywalkers gets us a little bit closer to these people who don't have all the benefits of these supernatural abilities, so you see it and even like yeah. the people who do with, like, Kanan and Ezra and Rebels, you had a lot of these characters who made terrible decisions because they didn't have the background or they didn't have the access. And so it's fun to watch this guy that's, like, this guy who just, like, ends up becoming a Dadalorian. Yes. And yeah. that's what we were, Preeti and I were talking about this, and I was like, I love, no, I was talking to someone else. I was talking, but I was like, I love that this series was billed as, like, this gritty, dark like real series and it ends up being like dadalorian and his like foster child yep and him and and him figuring it out you know there's that moment in the second episode where he's hurt after the jawas and oh my god little yiddle yaddle gets up and tries to do tries to help him you know that like i'm trying and then he is like, oh, no, I'm not ready for this level of connection with this small, yes. tiny being. And, like, you know, throws him back in his little Because despite the fact stroller. that he um, – because his motives weren't clear at the end of the first episode. It's clear he didn't want to kill him. But we weren't sure if he was going to hand him over or not. And then the second episode, it becomes clear, like, yes, he wasn't comfortable killing him. But, but – or killing – I'm saying him. I really should say them because we don't know the gender of baby yiddle yaddle. But it wasn't comfortable killing them, but also was still planning on turning it over to the Empire or the remnants of the Empire, whoever it is that Warner Herzog represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he does end up back with the Ugnaught after realizing that he cannot handle the Jawas on his own. Uh, and then there's this really funny kind of moment that turns very Spaceballs-esque, like very... Toy Story esque with the Jawas, where they're like, "Get us the egg." Yes, it was like, yes, it was like the Minions. That's your right. I was like, "What does this remind me of?" And that is, it is like the Minions from Toy Story. 
Oh no, the sorry, the minions those, are from those, Despicable those Me. Little so aliens. It's, it's little aliens mm-hmm. from Toy Story. The claw. Um, <laughs> and then he goes and in a fit of like terrible Dadalorianness oh. takes Little <laughs> Yano with him. And like I was freaking out the entire time. So episodes two and three, I literally had because I watched him after uh, Dave went to bed. I had the baby monitor like in front of me, being like, "Baby, okay, baby, okay." <laughs> because like it's just, like visceral reaction of like this like instinctual like baby not okay, baby not okay, baby not okay. <laughs> like oh my god, it was like it was hard to watch it because was, of that. But it was a good call on and on it, our Dadalorian, even if it was yeah. horrifically irresponsible, because Yiddle Yaddle like saves his life essentially. This kid who, that moment where he's using the force to stop that animal, of which the name I cannot remember, but it looks kind of like a rhino-ish, and have it float in the air so that the Mandalorian survives and then collapses into a heap, which you're like, oh my god, I want to die. (laughs) But so... The baby saves Mandalorian, the Mandalorian's life, which is very interesting in the next episode when he can, he keeps calling it his enemy, mm-hmm. right? So he gets back to the planet. Do we know the name of the planet that he's on where he meets the bounty? I can't remember. No, I mean, right? we, we might know it, but I don't know it. Like- yeah. I, ca- I can't remember. I don't think they've told us the name in the series, like in World um i do want to shout out that for that the second episode which was so funny and so well paced and i really enjoyed the direction was directed by rick famiyua and then the third episode is directed by deborah chow who's going to be taking on the obi-wan series which after seeing that episode i have no fear over what she's going to bring to the table but in that third episode he does he gives up the baby. He gives the baby to Werner Herzog. And it's the most heartbreaking sequence. Like, that little cry. And you can and tell. he, like, goes out. Oh, oh my God. He, is like, and he like, leaves I, the room as little, like, you know, his little, like, bassinet. And then, oh. And he's crying and he's looking at the Mandalorian. Or they're crying and they're looking at the Mandalorian. And the Mandalorian, you can see, is conflicted. Even though he's getting this huge amount of... Uh, Which, considering metal. Pedro Pascal is wearing a helmet, oh, so good, so like good. the acting is his acting is so good, but um, and I just think it's like, and you've got to imagine that you know that Yiddle Yaddle through the force because of their instinctual connection with the force saw the Mandalorian as someone they could trust, mm-hmm. or like in some way, and so it's like, where, where, where are you going? And it's like, like every time I drop Dave off at daycare, he cries. And it's like, it felt like that. Like, like it felt like, and it's like terrible. This is why I don't drop him off. My husband drops him off because he doesn't cry when my husband drops him off. <laughs> but he cries when I drop him off. So it was, and it was like that cry, like as like, and I like, you know, he cries and I just kind of turn around and like, I have to leave. Otherwise I'm going to stay there forever. And he's going to cry as long as I'm there, but mm-hmm. he's fine after I leave. And it felt like that, like it was just like heart wrenching. And I was like, oh my God, except in this case, like, I know he's going to be fine. He's going to stop crying two seconds after I walk out the door. But you don't know what, like, you have no idea what's going to happen to Yiddle Yaddle. Yeah, we don't. I mean, they said Herzog, uh, Herzog's character said that they'll take the asset dead or alive, which means they don't, they don't care about the baby. Mm -hmm. They don't care about what's going on. And I appreciated one that 
the Mandalorian was able, like, I could see the com- the conflict in him, and you can see that kind of potential for goodness and that potential yeah. for, for um, I guess, morality, because you shouldn't give up a baby to these clearly evil people. Uh, although, so he goes, he takes, he takes the ba- it's Baskar, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, the uh, he takes the, the Baskar to the kind of Mandalorian hideout, which is what we find out that is. So let's talk a little. Let's talk a little bit about the Mandalorian culture that's going on. Okay, so we don't know in universe a ton about Mandalorian culture just from the movies. Like literally before this, the only Mandalorians we've seen in the movies are Jango Fett and Boba Fett, who are not actually Mandalorian, right? Jango, I think was, but Boba is not because he was a, he was a clone. I think is the way and he had just taken his father's armor rather than earning his own armor because a Mandalorian is much a culture as it is. Yes. It's not just you're born into it. Like, it's a way of life. It's a culture. It's a... Do- like, it's... It's... it's So, like, even though Boba Fett was a clone of a Mandalorian, I don't think that made him a Mandalorian in and no, of himself. No, I think there is a conversation in some... This is where Star Wars gets so yeah. janky. Yeah. But I think there's a conversation in a book or a comic or a cartoon or something where they talk about Boba Fett and somebody, someone says Boba Fett wasn't a Mandalorian. I don't know how he got that armor. Yes. Right? And so I think so. And I think that's right. But I think Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. That's the way that is. That's what I that's that's the way I've always I've always interpreted it. Yeah, I think he was a Mandalorian who sold his services to the Kaminoans. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. But, Someone's gonna be like, "You're so wrong." Yeah. Like, sorry, but th- it's so, complicated. Mandalore is complicated. So, but the most we know, I feel like, of Mandalore from on screen are from Clone Wars and Rebels. Yes. yes. And so, Clone Wars, um, we're going to see the end of that storyline in the new season of um, Clone Wars. So we don't exactly know how that ends. But the, I, I guess, what we could say is the last thing we know about. Clone War or about uh, the Mandalorians comes from Rebels, and that's Sabine Wren, who is a Mandalorian, by basically uniting the Mandalorians against the Empire. Yeah, because they were all these like kind of separate factions, which you don't see a ton of in Clone Wars. Because Clone Wars, there are two factions. There's the Mandalorians who are under Satine's rule, uh, the Duchess Satine, and then there's the um, Death Squad Mandalorians who have been. Death Watch, sorry, Death Watch, Death Watch who had been uh, exiled to one of the moons, and the last we see in Clone Wars is when uh, Maul had taken over Mandalore, and then the Emperor, or at the time Darth Sidious, comes and kicks Maul out, and then we never see Mandalore again in Clone Wars. Yeah, and then fast forward to Rebels, which is twenty uh, ish years ish uh, after Clone Wars, yeah, fifteen twenty right. years or so, and. The Mandalore, the Mandalorians are all completely fractured into these different clans, who then Sabine, Sabine and Satine, just, I know, <laughs> Sabine to, reunites them um, yeah. under the leadership guidance of the Dark Saber, um, and so that's pro- just that's prior as far to as we know. A New Hope. Yeah, that's just that's prior to Rogue mean. One and A New Hope, and then now this is post Jedi, and there has been a purge of some kind. Yes. 
So basically, yeah, so that's all we know, that there's been a purge and Mandalorians are once again on the run. Um, and they aren't, I assume that their planet has been ravaged. Because I know at some point the planet gets ravaged. Yeah. I don't know when, but I'm thinking by this point it's probably ravaged. I don't know. Um, but, so we don't know much about this purge, but we do learn more about Mando's backstory with the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So clearly he his family died in some sort of separatist attack. Yes. Did you remember the flashback to the uh, to the droid? Yes. And so uh, there was something where he his his parents hid him and then clearly. Uh, so yeah, so but we do we are getting some really good views into Mandalorian culture, how they feel about Mando uh selling his services to the Empire. Clearly the Mandalorians have no love for the Empire. Mm-hmm. Or rest of it in this case. Like cuz like there's the interesting there's the interesting argument that the Empire is dead like the empire is gone why shouldn't he be you know working for the highest bidder at this point and but is the empire really gone like what who is he working for and i guess that's a whole nother story where i have a conspiracy theory about this oh we're gonna get there i know so who is he working for because like the stormtroopers i believe are just um there's mercenaries i think like i think at this point um if I remember in my reading of the Star Wars books at this point, like anyone wearing stormtrooper armor is just like a mercenary for hire and that's good armor. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily Imperial, but the fact that Werner Herzog has the, like the, the steel with the Imperial logo yeah. on it, like clearly he has Imperial connections. Um, so yeah. I mean that that whole sequence, which I do I do want to get to the imperial aspect of the handoff mm-hmm. of Yiddle Yaddle to what what that implication might be, but I I really appreciated what the impact is for culture for the Mandalorians and mm-hmm. how they are attempting to maintain their culture and their history despite everything. Yes. Like holding on to that and and keeping with the way as as huh. as they say. Um like that moment that she says like have you that the whole question and answer of like have you ever taken your helmet off? Has your ever has your helmet ever been taken off of you, etc. Like this is a side of Mandalore that we've never seen before. Uh-huh. And the intricacies of what that might be, I thought was so interesting. And it's going to be fun to watch how he kind of walks that line. Yeah, because it seems like that is of utmost importance to him, um, or was of utmost importance to him. Was that connection and community? Mm-hmm. And I think still, I w- I would argue still is like yes. he is. Yeah, he is. He is going back to the side of his people rather than functioning as just a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Through this, um, through I think his actions, which I have to say, at the end of episode three, when all the Mandalorians came flying ah! in, I started like screaming because I'm like, "This is why these like so kind cool. of slightly cheesy but really cool moments are why I love Star Wars." Oh, like, it was so good. It was so it was good. such a good scene. It was such a good, and I love like him being like, "I have to get me one of those, like the jetpacks," because mm-hmm. that's so like to us having just seen pieces of this culture over like the jetpacks are like integral to mm-hmm. like being a Mandalorian so it's fun to for him to say like oh I should get me one of those like um I thought that was very well seen very well done because it really really I had real fear like I I knew 
I knew I knew that the Mandalorian and Yiddle Yaddle would make it out of there because I knew that. But y- you don't know how. You don't know what the price is going to be. You don't know. Like, and so it was really that Deborah Chow did a really good job with like the direction and making mm-hmm. mistakes. Like it was mistakes. so intense. It was so mm-hmm. intensely mm-hmm. like lots of anxiety, lots of like. I, I was literally sitting there being like, "How are they going to get out of this? Like, what yeah, are they going to do?" I didn't know. Like, you we know, no idea. And you it was have no idea how. It was yeah, it was a complete surprise. It was so well seated. It was so well paced, and they built that tension up perfectly. Because every like every few minutes, I'd be like, "Oh, that's how he's going to get out." Like uh, mm-hmm. obviously, and then he's in that like car on the bottom and like ho- covering the baby, and you're just like. He's how how are you going to get out of this? You are surrounded. It was terrifying. Yeah. Oh, Can I also so say it was just terrifying when he saw the like little bassinet in the trash? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like I almost just like, I, almost, I kept pausing it and turning to Ryan and being like, you know, the baby's gonna be okay, right? The baby's gonna be okay. And he's like, I have not seen this. I have no <laughs> to you. Stop pausing to ask me. It's so much anxiety. It was so intense. Like, in a good way, but, like, oh, my God, it was still so intense. Still so stressful. Like, in my head, I'm, like, this child, Yiddle Yellow is, like, a merchandising bonanza. Of course he is going to be okay, but, like, the anxiety was so real. It's literally the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, they have... They they did everything they needed to do. It's, like, you know how they're, like, Werner Herzog couldn't stop crying. Like, same. Couldn't stop crying. It's, it's so small and so There was, cute. like, that interview where, like, he forgot it was a puppet because yeah. he was so with it yes. and just kept talking to it like it was a real child. I was like, oh, thank you. Can't handle it. Uh, okay, let's, let's talk about the doctor. Okay. So here's where my conspiracy theory comes in. I saw a t- retweet of someone, and I am so sorry if this was your observation and I did not – I'm not crediting you because I don't remember. It was just one of those like random things that came across my timeline. And then I started thinking about it like an episode later that his insignia on his arm is reminiscent from what they could see of just like his photo. Like the insignia on his arm is reminiscent of the logo of the Camino cloners. Oh, oh, right. So now the question is, so my conspiracy theory is they wanted Yiddle Yaddle to be able to clone him. Because we know from the expanded universe that the First Order is interested in Force children. Like oh my gosh. children who yeah. are. We know from the expanded universe that the First Order like is like, re- like kidnapping and recruiting children who have Force capabilities. So my theory is that Werner Herzog is actually working for the First Order whether he realizes or not. Because it's very, very – this is a very nebulous time where it's like remnants of the Empire are being sucked into the – beginnings of the first order like i think it's a kind of a nebulous amount of time and like there's a lot of overlap there while at the same time the first order was is contemptuous of the empire oh this is i mean the cloning is so potential so that's my yeah thing. Like, i think that they want they wanted him and that's why the scientist is so like he has to be alive for me to like study him and I think that the Werner Herzog is like, no, he like, I think he doesn't care because he doesn't care about cloning him. He just knows that any child of the force is a threat, especially mm-hmm. one of the Yiddle Yaddle species. Oh, my gosh. 
So that is my conspiracy theory. Welcome to our conspiracy theory corner. I mean, who even knows? But like, that's a good one. Yeah, that's and that's and like, I just like because of the logo, the similar logos, that's the only reason. But like, it makes sense. It does make sense. Um, that whole time period is so weird because we don't know too much about it in between, uh, in between Jedi and um, The Force Awakens. We have yes. Bloodline. We have Bloodline. We have Empire's End mm-hmm. or like the Aftermath trilogy, but that right. only takes that only takes place in the like in the Immediate, couple of years, right? Yeah, like post um the battle or like the year i think it's like battle of jakku if i remember correctly takes place like eight months after return of the jedi so it's like that's like a year yeah and this is about and bloodline is, is bloodline is what 15 20 15 20 years after right yes i would say about 15 years yeah so bloodline will be about 10 years after this show it's before ben solo fell yes the dark side. Yes. So, it's, it, but but after he's been sent away to train with Luke, so I think that's it's probably about fifteen years. Yeah. So this is about ten years before Bloodline, or so. So it is probably. Cu- it's in kind of a gray area. We yeah. don't know a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my gosh! I just like can't wait to see where this show is going. I'm dying to know how it ties in, which I, I'm more than ever, I'm convinced of your theory that it's going to tie into Last Jedi. Well, the only, okay, so so this is what, this is what, like, Preeti and I have been talking about, like, the time, the scheduling is really weird on the release of these episodes. Yeah. And- like, they release, like, two episodes in a week, and then, and I don't think they did that, I'm not sure, maybe they did it for, like, merchandising and to get the yiddle yiddle secret out so they can start, like, creating this merchandise. But it's also possible, like, they wanted to schedule that last episode right – because, like, the last episode of this is scheduled to air, I think, the week after the yeah, Rise of so Skywalker. the out. last episode – the penultimate es- episode – this is where it's weird, right? The penultimate yeah. es- episode. Every other episode is dropping on a Friday, except for the penultimate, which is dropping the Wednesday before mm. The Last Jedi comes out. So it'll Rise be – Rise of Skywalker. Or, excuse me. The Rise of Skywalker. So it's – Episode 7 of The Mandalorian on Wednesday, The mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker on Friday or Thursday, whatever, and then the following Friday is the 8th episode. The timing right. is very weird. Yeah, very weird. So, like, I definitely think that it's on purpose and they're going to tie them in. Yeah, because why else would you do that? Yes. Why else? Because if, no- you're, if you're dropping that episode, it's not about, I don't think it's about making sure that they're not competing because the minute because that, they're not, going to. They're not like, competing, like the minute it drops on Friday, like, it's not like people are going to be like, I'm going to see, I'm going to watch the Mandalorian instead of going to see the Rise of Skywalker. I think it's, I think it's, I think that there's going to be a tie in there. And I'm really, I'm very curious to see what, where we go, like, what is, what is going to happen? Like, what is. I just, I can't even fathom what's going to happen because this has just turned into, it's so far from what we expected it to be. And yeah. now it's basically a, a, I don't know, it's like a story about a new dad taking care of his foster kid in yes. the perils of space. Yes. I, I don't know what that means or how And then that's... like there's, and this kid has like larger implications, mm-hmm. like ramifications for, throughout the entire like known universe Everybody wants this kid. Yep. And who was protecting him? That mm-hmm. was a pretty ragtag band of people. That was not like 
the resistance. That was no. not, you know what I mean? That was, so who, who did Dadalorian take him from? Yes. Take them from? Like what, like I, there's so many questions here. There's so many questions. And um, in, in, in characteristic Star Wars fashion, we might not get answers to all of them for years. In characteristic if- Filoni, Filoni fashion. Right. <laughs> Where is Ezra? Yes. Just tell us where he is. Where is Ahsoka? Where is Ahsoka? Where is Sabine? Where is Ezra? <laughs> we need this. <laughs> if, Lord. if Ezra and Sabine and Ahsoka show up in the Mandalorian, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. I just, I'm going to be like, simultaneously so delighted and so mad yes <laughs> because like i do genuinely believe even though like my enthusiasm suggests otherwise that stuff should be able to stand alone but i then i love it when the stuff i love shows <laughs> and also also because we can tie this into another discussion point if sabine shows up at least there will be you know two women with speaking roles on the show oh, right yes yes I'm not this is the like one at like real criticism I have of this show where we have seen like one like identifiable woman on the show through the yeah. Mandalorian armor caster and that is it. I know Gina Carano is supposed to make her debut in the next episode, I yes, believe. And Mignal Wen is showing up at some point. But that's still pretty sad. It is. Uh it is. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, this is, I feel like we have this conversation again and again, like, but well, I usually expect better of Star Wars when it comes to women, and so this is surprising. It's surprising in a television show, because the television yes. shows thus far have been pretty good about giving us a lot of women, and they have admittedly been animated, which I don't know why that seems to make it easier, but... Um, and so like, yeah, I would love like, I, 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 that's the thing I have my eye on. And that's the thing I'm commenting on. And I'm not making a big deal about it. Because in some ways, like it is what it is. The show's done. Like they're not gonna if they do a season two, better be more women. But like, it is what it is. But I don't want to have a disc. I don't think it's right to have a discussion of, of the show without mentioning that. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's frustrating. It's frustrating that it's 2019. And we still have to Right, and a lot of the arguments are like, well, maybe Yiddle Yaddle is female, and yeah, maybe Yiddle Yaddle is female, but the point is we don't know. We're talking about identifiable. Yes, agreed. So. Agreed. I think that's it for now. I mean, obviously, like, I think we'll keep doing these little episodes about The Mandalorian, maybe, like, every... Every two episodes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. another two weeks. And then we will definitely do a Rise of Skywalker rundown. Yes. I think for basically for the rest of the year, all these all our shows are gonna be about Star Star Wars. Wars. Which is surprising no one from normal. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) I I do feel sorry for the person who listens to us because we're DSC and doesn't really like Star Wars. Like we're so sorry. I know. There's somebody who we have a listener who is like, I love your podcast, but I'm not really a Star Wars fan. And we're like, sorry. (laughs) Because this is based functionally a Star Wars podcast. It's our it's the grounding of our friendship. The basis of our friendship. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) um okay so real quick let's go through the things we love what are the things you love right now 
Oh, okay. So, whew. Uh, Holly Black's trilogy that I have talked about, I think, many times on this podcast before. Um, the Folk of the Air is the trilogy. The first book is The Cruel Prince. The second book is The Wicked King. And the last book, The Queen of Nothing, just came out last week. And it was so cathartic and so satisfying. And now the whole trilogy is out and nobody okay. has any excuses not to read it. Go oh, read it. It's so good. It's so intensely, like, so many feelings and emotions. And so there was a lot of that. And then The Dragon Prince third season dropped on Netflix. And I watched the whole thing yesterday. And it's another one. So it's by the creators of Avatar, The Last Airbender. And what they do so well is pull together story and, and like, depth. Like, there's a lot of depth and angst and, and feelings in that, too. But there's also a lot of humor. And so it was, like, basically nine episodes of just emotions and laughing and and beautiful storytelling and really cool animation like if you haven't watched the dragon prince like highly recommend it it's it's not done so i don't know when the fourth season is coming out but it's it's so easily watchable and bingeable mm-hmm. like absolutely pick it up especially if you like fantasy like the fantasy world they've built in the dragon prince is so cool and so inclusive by the way like they do a really good job of being like, no, people exist. We're going to put them in the show. I'm like, thank you. Yes. So, yeah, those are the two things that I'm super into right now, other than Yiddle Yaddle, which is all of my life now. Yes. Um, I'm still playing Outer Worlds, so that is a fun video game, um, which I talked about last week or la- when last time we talked. But um, I'm also playing the new Star Wars game, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I like. Um, people have complained about being too hard, and to all those people, I say embrace story mode. Yes. Feel pathetic, but it's not pathetic. I play all my games on story mode, and like it, I've died a couple of times, like falling off things, but I haven't died in battle at all. And like, I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. There's, it's a, it's a, it's very, it's a lot of running and jumping and exploring. Um, story is really interesting so far. I'm curious to see where they take it. I'm still pretty um pretty new like I'm I'm still near the beginning because I've been kind of dividing my time between that and Fallen Order but it's good or that and Outer Worlds but it's good I really am enjoying it um I definitely recommend it and I just finished for small for small creatures such as we I think it's called um by Sasha Sagan and she is Carl Sagan's daughter and this book is basically about finding meanings in find, kind of finding meaning in the world like she's a new and it, it resonates especially with me because she's a new parent and like trying to create like rituals for her daughter she is ethnically and culturally Jewish but is not religious um and that's similar to me you know I'm you know Indian and identify as Hindu but I'm not religious and like how to create like meaning in a world and fi- find ritual because like, like a lot of our rituals and stuff are religious mm-hmm. and so how like basically finding meaning in the world um whether you believe in a higher power or not it's not aimed at only people who don't believe in one but it's kind of it's very inclusive and very and it talks about like just kind of about traditions and what they mean and like i don't know it's a beautiful book especially like it's especially poignant if you were like if your childhood like mine was influenced by carl sagan like she talks a lot about her father and and just like you know what it was she was like I think like she's 16 when her father died and like it's just it's a very it's a beautiful book I'll put it that way and I highly recommend it um 
And we're part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. And so you can find all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. And today I want to shout out the podcast Southern Fried Asian, with this, which is Keith Chow's podcast in which he interviews Southern people from the Southern United States about like, you know, their upbringing and the latest ep- their the latest episode of Southern Fried Asian has Asian has Gia Tolentino who if you haven't read her book Trick Mirror um, is I feel like it's one of the most talked about books of the year it's a book of essays and um, she's a former Jezebel writer and that kind of tells you if you know if you're familiar with Jezebel what you kind of need to know about her style and her um, where she comes from but her I'm reading the book right now, and while, like any book of essays, the some are better than others, some are uneven, um, some are a little bit, you know, self-indulgent. Um, her musings on like what the internet is right now, and like what it has become, is so good. It is worth getting the entire collection just for that one essay. It's the first essay in the collection. So, um, but yeah, I'm really I haven't listened to Keith's interview yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and we, of course, always want to thank our Patreon supporters. So thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level and Sylvia, Martha, Brandy, Rahul, Jordan, Annie, Claire, Brian, Robert, Maya, Gayatri, and the Knott family at the $5 level. We really appreciate the support. We do. We do. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I'm at S. Krishna. And I'm at Run With Skizzers. And... Until next time. I was going to say McClunky or are we going to say I'll see you in hell? We didn't plan this. We didn't plan it last time and you surprised me. I think I think yes, I, did. I think a it's a traditional sign off. I think it's a traditional sign off. So yes. we'll so, see we'll you see in hell. hell. <laughs>